It's Black and Abdal. It's a football night in Chicago presented by Miller Lite. We're at JMO's Live in Mokina. We're here for the next two hours. Tom Thayer will join us at 7 o'clock. We'll talk some Bears football with former 85 Bear great Tom Thayer. So we can't wait to have him on the set in about an hour. But it's Black and Abdal for the next uh, two hours with you. 6-8 right here on ESPN 1000. Week 10 in the NFL, Abdal. Yesterday, a lot of great games uh, finished with, with fantastic finishes. And then also, you know, it was really a full weekend of football that was outstanding. I thought the games on Saturday were good too. And, you know, I, I think sometimes we kind of look at a situation where it's like we don't have to watch the Bears on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So now let's taste everything else that the NFL menu has to offer. And I was thrilled with what we saw and a lot of good performances. And the one that stood out to me the most were uh, the Houston Texans facing off against the Bengals and C.J. Stroud going toe-to-toe with Joe Burrow. I mean, yeah. C.J. Stroud is a real deal. No, he absolutely is. And, you know, you uh, it, it is very early in his career, but sometimes guys just look the part, right? And that's kind of what we've been talking about with Justin Fields, you know, throughout the last two and a half seasons. Uh, he hasn't really, at times, he's looked the part. There hasn't been, like, a huge string of games where he's looked the part. And now... You see a guy like C.J. Stroud come in under the same circumstances, essentially from Ohio State, you know, ran the same system, and everybody was like, oh, well, it's just Ohio State. Well, clearly it's not just Ohio State. And when you watch C.J. Stroud, he just, I keep going back to, like I said, looks the part. Like he's never flustered, led that game-winning drive, they kicked the field goal, they win the game at the end, it was great. And like, at, at the same time, too, for the, um, for the Bengals, like, they were rolling, and then, oh, well, the Texans come in. And, like, I feel like that was a lot of teams. The only team that I was really, like, impressed with was the way the 49ers just absolutely handled the Jaguars. Like, that was that was a very sexy pick for the weekend. A lot of people were on the 49ers minus three heading into that game, and they just proved the uh, domination of that of the Jaguars because the Jaguars were a 6-3 and three team. Um, now they're still six and three. They were five and three team heading uh, six, six and two team heading into that, and now they're six and three. Um, but the 49ers just after some a little bit of stumbling with Brock Purdy uh, after he gets hurt, comes back in, you know, has to you know kind of is he concussed? Is he not concussed? He was concussed, and uh, then they come in and just absolutely handle the Jaguars. But that, to me, those two games are the ones that stood out for me. Well, I'd say this: I was impressed by the 49ers because I went the other way. I had Jacksonville. Oh, I had uh, the points at home, and I thought that they're a team that's that's like ready to take the next step, and they just didn't look prepared. And, and you're right, San Francisco showed up and they kicked butt, and and it was impressive to see the way that they they won that football game. And really, from start to finish, they were they were the better team. There was a turnover uh, that Jacksonville driving in their own end that that may have made things a little bit closer, would have kept it as a ten point game, but the San Francisco kind of just ran away with it, especially defensively. They looked so good yesterday. So I was wrong on that. I had the Jacksonville Jaguars in that game, plus the points didn't turn out well for me. But San Francisco bouncing bouncing back, and Brock Purdy throwing for almost 300 yards, 296, three touchdowns, looking like he bounced back the way he was playing at the start of the season when people were talking about him as one of the better quarterbacks in all the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then the other game, from the afternoon games that stood out to me was the Lions-Chargers game, obviously. Like, that was a huge game. You know, 24 points by both teams in the uh, in the fourth quarter of that game. Just absolutely great offensive uh, game for each. The defenses were non-existent, even though the Lions have a top-five defense, you know, in DVOA. So if you're looking at it, like, the Lions, they're very good against the run. 
they're not great against the pass, and that was on full display against the Chargers, and that's the team that the Bears look to this weekend on Sunday. The 7-2 and two Lions, that is going to be a tough task for those two teams, for that, for the Bears to beat the Lions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and something to kind of point out here at uh, JMO's Live, so if you come on out, we're drinking Miller Lite. We have a pair of Miller Lite loft tickets to give away tonight for a game in December. Ooh. So if you come out and you see us, you have a chance to win a pair of Miller Lite loft tickets. Also, we have a prize table of tons of Miller Lite swag. So come on out, ESPN 1000 swag as well. And like I said, Tom Thayer will be with us at 7 o'clock. We're at JMO's Live in Mokina talking football with you, and we'll take your phone calls at 312-332-3776. It's Bears night in Chicago. So the Bears had the weekend off. They get the win on Thursday. They beat Carolina 16-13. And now all eyes and, and all the conversation focus in on the thumb from Justin Fields and whether or not he can practice throughout this week and if he'll be ready for the Lions game on Sunday. Because like you mentioned, Abdal, the Lions being 7-2, one of the better teams in the NFC, Justin Fields needs to play for the Bears to have a chance against the Lions this upcoming weekend. Yeah, I think that we've seen what... Tyson Bajan can be this year, right? Like another year in the league, maybe a full offseason, all that kind of stuff. Like he can get better as time goes on. I'm not completely writing the dude off, but I think it's time with seven games left. Like you got to see what Justin is. Like you got, he's got to come back. If he's medically cleared, he comes back, plays. Whether he plays well or not, that's, you know, up to him and the team, obviously. But I think that it's, it's time to see what Fields can do and if he's going to make a case for himself to be the quarterback for the Bears moving forward. I think that the Bears have kind of, you know, looked at the last two and a half years and be like, we kind of know what he is. Like, look at C.J. Stroud has taken, what, eight games? Like, he's a stud. You know, he's in the MVP conversation. Like, that's where you're you're starting to see the talking heads on shows and everything talking about, I don't know, maybe this C.J. Stroud could be an MVP. The Texans might make the playoffs this year, right? I know. I I said this to you last week. Okay, but you didn't say it on the radio, and so we can't talk about it. We had a conversation off the air. I understand, but when I see Shannon Sharp talking about it, that's that's talking head, bro. Like, that's someone that's out there. I give it to you a week early. Mm, I said that if they keep winning winning like this, C.J. Stroud's going to be in the MVP conversation. Not on record. It, and is he not? No, he is. He's playing. He's. I mean, he's he's, four, out. he's still forty to one. Okay, but, but what my point is that team being five hundred, that's a, a an enormous uh, step forward for that franchise. They were supposed to be the worst team in football. I get. Meanwhile, it. we're sitting here with our team with three wins and a quarterback that we have no clue about. Well, Meanwhile, they've got a quarterback that looks like the and guy. That's my. And point. they're a team that's fighting for a wild card. And spot. that's my point, right? You look at. Look at the quarterbacks in the league, right? Look at the young quarterbacks in the league. Look at Trevor Lawrence. Look at, you know, um, J- even Joe Burrow still is still a young quarterback in the league and already took a team to a suit. Like, like, they were, like, they're good. Like, he's a very good quarterback. He's older when he came in. But, you know, guys like Bo Nix are close to the age that Joe Burrow was when he came in because he's got the most starts in college football for a quarterback ever uh, already. So, I think you look at what Justin Fields has done so far, and you look at the guys that just come in and get it right away. And if you're the Bears and you have these high draft picks, right now it's one in five if the draft were to happen today, and you just kind of have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I don't know if he's going to get it. Like, I want, like, 
I'm not expecting him to come in and be a world beater week one, week two when you get a, a, a new quarterback, when you draft a new quarterback. But at a certain point, two and a half years in, like it's got to look like you're at least getting it on a week-to-week basis. You don't have to go out there and win every single game. You know, there are quarterbacks yesterday that cost their team games by throwing interceptions. Are you th- completely throwing them out? Like, I don't think, I think we're too quick to throw out Bryce Young. Like, Bryce Young, it's his first year. Like, give it some time. See if they can build something around him. And don't move on just yet. I'm not sure he's going to be great or what he was at Alabama, given his size and, and his height and everything like that. But that, to me, is too early. We've seen two and a half years of Justin Fields. Like, unless he just completely comes comes back and a light has been turned on in his head where he's going to get the ball out faster, he's not going to take sacks, and in the next seven games they go 5-2. and two. Like, to me, that's the only way you have the conversation, okay, maybe he's the guy. Well, I, I think with Bryce Young, I'm not willing to give up yet, although the concerns we had entering the NFL are certainly showing themselves. He's too small. Mm-hmm. And, and he's not too small with explosive speed like Kyler Murray. Kyler bounces, but he shows up. But small quarterbacks and he's running around like, like mini Mario out there on, on the football field. You know when that. Mario's little feet are going but, really quick? But, like, that's what Kyler Murray looked like well, Kyler Murray looks like, yeah, like you know he's when the compact pe- as a person. Well, you know when the people make the memes of, like, they, they shrink the player next yeah. to everyone else? Kyler Murray doesn't yeah. need to be he shrunk. He just looks like that. He's but already shrunk. My point is when he shows up, he's moving and he looks different compared to other quarterbacks. Bryce Young looks small, and he moves like a small person. But it didn't. He looks af- like me out there playing quarterback. But it so didn't by, affect here, him in college. Here, no, it didn't. But he also had studs I at under- every position. So build they around five stars him. everywhere. So build around him. My my point is this: his flaws seem to be showing, no, and not, I'm not surprised. Do why did you just search Drew Carey? For, well, because for it was the first height. I I scroll. You, did know you how, see that Drew Carey is the same down? height as yeah, Bryce Young. It comes, all right, well, wow, Drew Brees is actually taller. Yes, yes, he is taller. I told you before the draft that the best thing that Bryce Young could have done is gone and got those leg-lengthening uh, surgery and added three inches to his legs. He could have done that. He chose not to. It's going to be his biggest mistake in my okay. book. All right. Well, I, I do think this, though, as a Bears fan, and we sit around and we watch football all weekend long, You know, we're talking about what we saw yesterday, sitting around on, on Saturday and watching games from 11 a.m., all the way, did you stay up for the end of the Oregon-USC game? Because uh, that game ended at around 1.30. No. It was late. I, I, I stayed up and watched the pathetic uh, outing from the Trojans, my favorite team. Uh, but I, I do think <laughs> the one thing that I am seeing, though, in watching football all weekend long, like I'm not sold that there's a hands-down quarterback to be selected at number one. No. That's the franchise changer that I think we thought we had at the start of the football season. You see what I'm saying? So – we don't know, and we don't have an answer on Justin Fields right now. Mm-hmm. Although, watching football all day long on Saturday and then rolling that into Sunday, I don't know if that guy is the guy. Like, J.J. McCarthy didn't look great. No. Michael Penix had some, some issues mm-hmm. against, uh, who's it, Utah? Yeah, uh, yeah Utah. Utah, cause, yeah. Yeah. Utah had a chance to win at the end after mm-hmm. the missed field goal. And, and so, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, weeks ago, we were comparing – Caleb Williams to Patrick Mahomes. I think that's ridiculous. He is not Patrick Mahomes. No. Can he be a good quarterback in in the NFL at some point? Sure, maybe. But guess what? Against Oregon, 
He had another sloppy fumble in the pocket where he was he dancing around holding does. the football down near his waist. That's something I've been telling you for two years about. That's what he, he does. He's, like, he's tied for seventh for most fumbles in all of college football this mm-hmm. season. He fumbles the football. He's loose with it. That's something that we've complained about with Justin Fields. I think the question for Bears fans is when you look at quarterbacks in college football, you look at quarterbacks in the NFL, the young players, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, I wonder if the answer is try and focus more more of your resources into figuring out if Justin Fields can be the guy instead of just hoping for that number one well, pick. Let me ask you this. Who is playing the best at quarterback right now, do you think? In college. In college football? Yeah. It might be Drake May. Mm. You don't think so? I think Bo Nix is putting up better numbers. All right, Bo, Ni- Bo Nix is playing great. He had okay. a really good game on Saturday night. Could I talk you into... Taking someone first overall that is a wide receiver, <laughs> that is Marvin Harrison Jr., and then trading your pick back and then selecting Bo Nix later in the first round. Yeah, you can convince me into that. I, I think if that's the move that Ryan Poles goes with, I think then we're going to be talking about a quarterback competition yes. and not just removing fields from the equation and just hoping that a and Caleb Williams think, or Drake May takes and over from fine. day one. You could. There's nothing wrong with having a quarterback come. You wanted them to draft two quarterbacks. Well, I want them to get it right. That, that's what I want them to that's do. That's my thing. I'm, I'm wondering if right now, given how much he's played, like, because, listen, for weeks, all I heard about was how much football Tyson Bajan played, how much football Tyson, like, how much, look how many snaps Tyson Bajan had. Look how many games he played in college, Chris. He played so many games. You know who's played the most quarterback snaps and starts ever? Bo Nix. Bo Nix. It is Bo okay? Nix. It's Bo Nix. And I'm starting to talk myself into, I'm already, I'm already in on Drake May. Like, if they go number one quarterback, it might be Drake May. The, his game this week against Duke, he was awesome. outstanding. He was awesome. Yeah. He and, was awesome. And see, like, that's where I think we go to this conversation about Caleb Williams is USC has really struggled in the last month, and each game that they've faced has been a big test. And Caleb Williams continues to kind of shrink under the pressure yeah. where last year he was built up. They weren't expected to do anything first year in that new system, the whole thing with Lincoln Riley on the West Coast. But now you look at Drake May in a big spot against a rival, right? It was Duke. It was an mm-hmm. overtime game. Mm-hmm. He looked really good. Mm-hmm. Michael Penix has stepped up to the plate every single time. I mean, Washington's one of the best teams in the yeah, country. The problem is, is the Bo injury Nicks. concerns. The Bo Nix has been very good as well. I could see a situation where if Oregon plays Washington in the Pac-12 championship game, and Oregon wins, and they end up making the college football playoff, and he has a good game. I'm not saying they need to win, but if he has a very good game, even if they lose, that he's going to start shooting up the draft boards. Like right now, he's a second-round-ish quarterback. Yeah, I could see that. And we know how teams get desperate for quarterbacks in the first round. Once the first two or three are gone, everybody's like, oh, my God, i got to get my guy or else he's not going to be there. So I could see him moving ahead of McCarthy, ahead of Penix, and being that third quarterback taken. After, you know, Williams and Drake May, wherever, if, whether it's May or Williams, Williams May, however it is, that Bo Nix is that third quarterback. The Bears might have to take him with their pick. Like, they might have to take someone first and then have to take him sure. with their fifth or sixth or seventh or wherever it ends up. We always see this. There's always a quarterback that starts shooting up. Bo, I wonder, I don't even know what, I think Shea Norling has a ticket on Bo Nix. I can look because he's texted me about it a thousand times about what his ticket to, is. To win the Heisman? To win the Heisman. And it was like 45 to 1 or something. It was yeah. something crazy like that. Um, but now he's the favorite. 
Right now I'm seeing Bo Nix go 34th to the Patriots, the second pick in the second round. Okay. So right now he wouldn't be a number uh, first-round quarterback, but what I'm looking at is uh, quarterbacks three, uh, four. I see four quarterbacks going in the first round. It would be Caleb Williams, Drake May, uh, J.J. McCarthy, and Michael Penix all going in the first round. Yeah. So, okay. so Bo Nix would be the first. Wouldn't it be nice to have a second-round pick to use on uh, – they could still Michael get one Penix. back. They'll get one back. 35 to 1. He had Bonix at 35 to 1, and now he's the favorite. So, to me, like that, there's only a matter of time before he starts shooting up that draft board, and you've got, you know, Mel Kuyper talking about how this is the guy that, you know, he's played the most football and all this kind of stuff, and he ends up being, you know, that third quarterback taken, and it might be to the Bears at five. Here's the question at 312 332 3776. Are you willing to give Justin Fields seven more games to figure it out, or are you ready to move on? Are you ready to draft the quarterback in next year's draft? We talked about Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy. There's a bunch of names at the top of the board. As a Bears fan, do you want to start looking ahead at those quarterbacks to take over for, for the position next season? Someone you'll draft in the first, or maybe you move into the second round to select this quarterback? Or are you willing to give Justin Fields seven more games? And if he plays well, he's your guy for the future. We'll take your calls at 312-332-3776. It's Black and Abdallah. It's Bears Night in Chicago. We're drinking Miller Lite. We're at JMO's Live in Mokina. Come on out. We're talking Bears football on ESPN 1000. It's Black and Abdallah. We're live at JMO's Live in Mokina. Drinking Miller Lite. It's Bears Night in Chicago. We're here for the next two hours, hour and a half. We'll be here until 8 o'clock. Tom Thayer is going to join us here in person at 7 o'clock. Looking forward to talking to the former 85 Bear, the great. And also, you hear him on our game day broadcast, each and every Bears home game and away game. Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, they have the call of the game. Best in the business. Mm-hmm. Tom Thayer will join us here on set. I don't we'll, think he's ready for our nonsense. Well, no, I mean, listen, he will. Uh, di- we will dive into some football with Tom Thayer. Why can't and we ask him some nonsense? We'll, we'll ask him some nonsense, okay. and then he'll he'll uh, he'll be hilarious with I feel it. Like he'll he's be great. Got, he's got thoughts. Of course, he does. Like I want to know if he's a conspiracy theory guy. Oh yeah, he's got any? We we should ask him about that. I do want to ask you about this, and we can we can talk to Tom about this as well. If you want to join the conversation tonight, you can call us at three one two three three two three seven seven six. Also, don't forget that you can uh, if you show up here to JMO's live in Mokina. You have a chance to win a pair of Miller Lite loft tickets for a game in December, a home date for the Chicago Bears. So come on out. We're drinking Miller Lite on ESPN 1000. I want to ask you about this. Did you see the article in the Washington Post last week about a new study suggesting that the new way of American tipping is confusing everyone? That when you go to a restaurant... People are now totally torn on, A, how much to tip, yeah. when to tip, yeah. when it's appropriate that tipping should be involved in a situation or a service. Because what happens is, and what the article is talking about, is there's a lot of common uh, quick fast food type establishments now mm-hmm. that have turned it on the consumer. And they do the – they flip the little device. Yes. And it says, do yes. you want a tip? And you're yes. like, why – when was I tipping at McDonald's? Or when was I tipping at this sandwich place that makes a sandwich for yeah. $6? Yeah. Why am I tipping here? That wasn't the norm a couple of years ago, and now it's everywhere. Everyone's like asking for a tip. I feel like there's pretty 
decent guidelines to that. Like, if you go... Okay, the sandwich place. Do you tip at the sandwich place? Mom and Pop sandwich place? No, this is a chain no. with a conveyor belt nope. where the sandwich sits no. and takes a ride. I'm the not sandwich tipping, takes a ride. I'm not tipping at a Quiznos, no. Well, I, I'm not calling out Quiznos. I'm not tipping at a Quiznos. <laughs> okay, so... Because so I don't they, know where there w- is one around here, but even so, still... So when they flip it on you, you don't tip at Quiznos? No, not tipping at Quiznos. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I'm not. So, so if you're a san- if you're a quick sandwich place, you're yeah. you're out on tipping. Not tipping. They're all asking for it. Okay, cool. Good for you. I'm I'm happy for you. So, what are your rules for tipping? My rules are for tipping are if, of course, if I'm at a bar or restaurant, I'm going to tip. Like like tonight, tip obviously. Sure. Um, if I I usually don't tip on pickup because uh, I'm I'm doing most of the work. Well, what about those who pack the the food for you? I get that. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I understand. Well, here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. If you order delivery instead of going to pick it up, the the people at the restaurant don't get that money. The Uber driver or the caviar Uber Eats uh, toast tab, whatever, gets the the money. Yeah. So you're not tipping them regardless. Sometimes I do. Okay, good for you. Uh, sometimes, sometimes, but like if it's a pizza place, I'm not. Yeah, there's no package. Like you're just putting you're it in just the box. Put it in the box. But like sometimes, if you go to a place and you're getting a bunch of things and you're asking for, you know, the, the utensils, the napkins, the the ketchup packets, mm-hmm. you're asking. You know, maybe it's brunch. You're asking for extra syrup or whatever jam or jelly for your for your uh, your your biscuits that you're gonna <laughs> get ready to, to to munch on. I, I mean, sometimes I'll I'll throw a buck or two. Yeah. In that situation. Okay. Coffee? No. You're not tipping for coffee? No. They're up early. Real early. We're all up early. Are you? Yeah. Not as early as them. No. But coffee, really? I mean, if I have some change, maybe you throw it in the dish. Does it matter the place? Like if you go to a, like a, I don't want to say like boutique coffee place, but not a chain. Well, there's a lot of those. I know. Do you tip them? Like, I don't know if I'm tipping at the Bucks. No, because the the thing about those coffee places is that sometimes, like, for one medium iced coffee, it's like $9. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, no, no. this is too expensive to start with. I'm not making $10, buddy. So I'm not tipping you on top of this expensive overcharged coffee. Yeah. Starbucks, I mean, it, it depends. Do you have a rapport with the person who you see every single day? If you have a rapport, then mm-hmm. maybe, yes, you do. If there's no rapport and you're just a, a faceless bot that's coming in for your coffee through an app, then, then I would say probably no. You want to know what, where I tip more? Here's if those of you in the service industry are listening to this. Uh, I tip based off creative asking. How about that? So like I went to a place and it said, are you a cat person or a dog person? And each one had a jar. And I was like, I need to vote on I need to that's, vote on that's this. That's a nice answer. Yeah. I need to vote on this. Yeah. I, 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 I took the cat jar and smashed it on the ground. <laughs> You, you took the money out of that to pay for I your put coffee. It, well, no, I put it in the dog one, and I smashed the other one on the ground. Yeah, it was a, it was a story in the, the Washington Post that there's a new study that Americans are confused on when it's appropriate to tip, when restaurants should be asking for it. You know, you, you come to a place like JMO's Live, you, you tip here. Yeah, look right? at this You're pizza. at a bar. You got a great pizza. Great. You're sitting down. You're, you're getting a bill. Like, you tip on that. Absolutely. But there's a lot of places that's not the standard for tipping who are now asking for tips, and Americans are I confused. do feel like the amount of tipping um, increased a lot during the pandemic. Yeah. And I don't know if – did the article mention, like, people wanting to go 
back down or well, staying at that level. No. So what it mentioned is that businesses kind of milked it. And then now that we're in the post-pandemic era, that they never went back to, like, not asking for it anymore. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. we, like, the consumer is like, all right, we're done with the, the extra dollars. Yeah, for like, y'all been, like, like, y'all, like we're, we're we done made with it. it. We're, we're good. <laughs> we're, we're, we're double boosted now. Like, yeah. we're good. We made it. Uh, Everyone's but they, back. Yeah, but, they, but the restaurants are still asking, and that's what the article is about. 312-332-3776. It's Blocking Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Aaron in Frankfurt, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's up? Good, man. What's up? Good. Love your uh, your takes on uh, Dustin and kind of the future. Just you know, I and I don't I don't know why it is, but I don't feel like I hear enough people in the camp that's kind of between the two that you laid out a few minutes ago, which is keep Justin around, sign him to a contract. In my mind, it's not going to be a max top five QB contract, um, and then still draft somebody. Um, I, I like the idea of you know, talent competitions on our team. I just, I'm not really sure why, especially for a team like the bears where we don't have so many guys on these huge deals, um, that it's, it's kind of getting crowded in the cap space. Um, why would you not just, you know, delay your decision a bit, create some competition and see what that does for you. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, thanks for the call, Aaron. Appreciate you. Yeah, to de- delay the decision, kind of allow a quarterback controversy or a competition to take place over the summer, mm-hmm. I think that could get messy if you don't handle it the right way. Like, I don't think Justin Fields is the type of guy that would shy away from a contest like that. I think Justin Fields, if he's here, he thinks he's the guy and he's going to give you the best team effort to be the guy. Like, yeah. I don't I don't see him – like, he, here's my – my point. Caleb Williams gets brought in here and is told that he has to win the position from Justin Fields and things don't go his way and Justin outperforms him. He'll try to transfer. I, Caleb's, I don't think he's the type of guy that's willing to um, put his head down and just get better and wait his turn. I yeah. think I think he's me first, I'm the show, that type of thing. But if you bring in a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix and Justin Fields outplays them, then you keep with Justin Fields, and then you kind of delay it. it. You know, Aaron didn't really make a bad point there. I think it depends on where you draft them, honestly. Like, if you have to draft Bo Nix or Drake May with that fifth pick, or you take someone first, like, they're not coming in to compete. They're coming in to start. Yep. Like, we've seen it. You and I have been very adamant that when you draft a guy, you start the guy. Like, that's how it is. Like, we've seen it with C.J. Stroud, and look what he's been able to do. We saw it with Trevor Lawrence. Look what he's been able to do. Joe Burrow, he got hurt, but he was having a very good year up until getting hurt, and then when he came back, he had a great year. So I think that it's it's kind of against what we've been saying to then have a competition, and then maybe he sits, and then you figure out with Justin. But then if he doesn't play well, then you're bringing him in. Like, just start it. Like, if you're picking a dude in the top five, you're going to have to start. If you decide to trade that first pick and you end up moving back and not taking a guy until you recoup a second-round pick, you take someone in the second round, maybe the third round, then you say, okay, fine. But the amount of money that comes with drafting someone in the first round, especially that top five, like you're starting them day one. Like You've got to move on from Justin, and then you can't have the controversy because 
then we're getting to this whole thing of who's taking first reps and who's doing this. It's the same thing that happened with Fields when he was brought in here, right? Like you're gonna, you can't have someone taking half the reps and someone else taking half the reps, and then oh well, who's gonna be the starter? Blah blah blah. Like you can't. Here's here here's the answer, right? How many quarterbacks do you have if you have two quarterbacks? No quarterbacks. Exactly. Well, I mean, it, I think it's that that's the way we uh, view college football when when teams like shuffle in and out no, a starting I get quarterback. But in the NFL, I don't think you can have you can't have too much of a great commodity. So if you have two workable quarterbacks, I don't think it's a terrible thing. Although you would like one guy to be the guy and to ball out and mm-hmm. and to really prove. But like if you know, in the next seven games, Justin Fields plays really well. I could see a situation where you could use your top two picks on positions of need that aren't quarterback, and then you use like a third round pick on a guy who maybe falls down the draft board. Who knows how it kind of goes when we get to the spring? JJ McCarthy, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. I think any one of those three guys has a potential to fall. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're going to be bad in the NFL, but like. They're not. Uh, they weren't. They're, the three of those guys are not being compared to like Patrick Mahomes, no. the way Caleb Williams is. No. And I think most people would agree Drake May is the second best option on the board as well. But the other three have had great college uh, careers on really good teams. They've played well, but they haven't been otherworldly. So I could see the the nitpicking of prospects when we get to the spring. One of those guys falls, you pick one of those guys, you have Justin Fields, you have Michael Penix, and you let them kind of work work it out based on who the better player is. I could see that. I also think it depends on what you do with the coaching staff. Like, if you bring in a new coaching staff, you you just cut bait, right? Like, you need that coaching staff to come in, pick their quarterback, and move forward with that quarterback. I don't want Ryan Poles to hire a coaching staff and say, hey, we're giving Fields one more year to figure it out. Then we'll let you pick a quarter. No, I don't want that. If we're doing this, we're doing clean slate. Remember to ask Tom Thayer about that. I will. Because Thayer's going to have good uh, perspective and opinion on that. Like bringing a new coaching staff who doesn't necessarily have the quarterback that they hand select yeah. and getting something out of them, uh, I think he'll have a good perspective on that. Tom Thayer's going to join us at 7 o'clock here live at JMO's Live in Mokina. We're drinking Miller Lite. It's Bears Night in Chicago with Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. We're at JMO's Live in Mokina. We're drinking Miller Lite. It's Bears Night in Chicago. It's Black and Abdallah on a Monday. Talking football with you here on ESPN 1000. If you come hang out with us at JMO's Live, we have a pair of Miller Lite loft tickets to give away tonight to a game in December. So that's something awesome that we're giving away here. We have an awesome prize table as well. A lot of stuff to give away. Some really cool Bears hats to give away. And Tom Thayer will join us in about 20 minutes here on stage. And we'll talk some football with Tom Thayer. You hear him with Jeff Joniak on the call of the game right here on ESPN Chicago. And we'll talk to the uh, former 85 great Tom Thayer here on set in about 20 minutes. Make sure you get pizza. You know how I am. This pizza is awesome. You know how I am. I'm a, Kevin, I'm, a, I'm a Kevin McAllister when it comes to pizza. Explain that for the younger generation. Just cheese. A That's cheese pizza. It's a personal cheese pizza. This cheese pizza has the perfect crust. Yeah. And the crust that is to great. me 
makes or breaks a the pizza. Sauce is tangy. There's great cheese coverage. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Some it's oregano. Delicious. Oh yeah, Ooh, I love it. It's delicious. So, so we have a cheese pizza. We're drinking Miller Light. We're having a great time here at JMO's live in Mokina. And we're talking football with you at three one two three three two three seven seven six. Nick and Addison, you're on ESPN one thousand. What's up, Nick? Hey, gentlemen, how's it going? Good, man. What's up? I just call on. I mean, I just don't get why everyone seems to think like Justin's just going to turn the light bulb on. I mean, it's been two and a half years now, and he's had what, two good games in his career. And I mean, you see Bajan, like, I'm not saying Bajan's a better quarterback, but all of a sudden the offensive line is blocking better. The running game looks a lot better. Uh, he he makes Darnell Mooney all of a sudden is catching passes. I mean, I, I know he throws, throws interceptions. He's not as good a quarterback, doesn't have a good arm, but. I remember Justin, too, at the beginning of the year saying, I'm going to throw for 4,000 yards this year. This is going to happen. I don't think, like, all of a sudden now, I, you, know, you know he tried all season. He's just going to, the light bulb's going to come on, and he's going to be a world beater. I mean, and the Bears, what they've always done is take the quarterback, then hire a head coach, and then get a GM and try to make it work. I think you cut your losses now. Then either you want to bring in a new GM and a new head coach, you do it the right way. Try to build let these guys try to build their own team instead of trying to put pieces together. Uh, just my two cents. I mean, I, I think if they have the, a, a top two pick in the draft, get the quarterback. Why not? Start over. If it doesn't work in a couple of years, try again. Stop trying to do it you know, the wrong way. Try to build it the right way. Well, Nick, but, here's, here's what I would push back on. I'm sick of trying again and, and starting over. It's all we do as Bears fans. And I, I would also point, to the, point this out with your, your take on Bajan. Yeah, a couple of those players have had some nice games since Bajan has been in at quarterback, but the team has scored 30 points, 13 points, 17, and 16 points. They're not lighting the NFL on fire with offensive play because of Bajan. So, like, just because he's looked okay in some of these spots, I mean, Justin Fields is the starter for a reason. He needs to be out there. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, Justin Fields looks better than he's better than Bajan. I'm just saying the offense looked more functional with Bajan. I'm not. I'm not advocating that Bajan should be the starter. I'm just advocating that I think the Bears need to make a change. And I know what you're saying. It's always try again, try again, try again. But yeah. you got to do it until you find someone. You know. I mean, what else are you going to do? I. I feel like with Justin, it's just pounding my head against the wall. I want him to be good. I love Justin. I, I was so happy when we drafted him but it's like having a girlfriend a toxic girlfriend saying oh i hope she changes i hope she changes and it just uh, never happens no, right, she nick? could though she could yeah thanks nick thanks for the phone call <laughs> she's never gonna change no, Adele. Come on, man. She you could, know how that goes no, she could no nah, she's not gonna you change you never know ah. <laughs> party girl nothing wrong with that you know the type you dated the type. Too well. Yeah. Back um, in the day. Just, Justin's <laughs> dating the type now. Our producer, Justin Pottinger. Yeah, he's the here. mayor of vibes. Yeah, Justin the mayor of vibes. Mayor of vibes. It's what he deals with right now. The vibes are high it's, right now. Vibes are up. Vibes are up. Vibes, vibes are, are up. high yes, right yes. now. Um, I, okay, I'll say this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ryan Pulse isn't going anywhere, so firing the GM is – I don't think Ryan Pulse is going anywhere. And I can say it – like, I don't know if Eberflus is going there, but if they do – they're probably going to get an offensive-minded head coach, and I would like that coach to select their own quarterback. Like we said last segment, I don't want a coach to come in here and Ryan Poles to say, guess what, we're giving Justin Fields another year. We're going to build around him. Unless he, sh- unless he shows, like if he goes 5-2 and two and puts up, you know, 
15, 16 touchdowns in those games. Something like, not a game, obviously, but like in those games, throws no, throws a couple interceptions, isn't taking the, the, the sacks that are quarterback sacks and not offensive line stats. Like, if the ball is snapped and someone's coming unguarded, like, there's not that much you can do about it, right? You have like half a second to react and there's not a lot you can do. But if he's holding onto the ball for 12 seconds and then runs into a sack, that's on him, you know? Like, if he's not making those mistakes, okay, I'm willing to have the conversation. But at that point, you're probably going to keep Matt Eberflus at that point. Like, if they win five more games, they're keeping Matt Eberflus. Yeah, and I think that's where in the final seven we, we have an interesting kind of situation with the coach and the quarterback because they both have an opportunity to stick around. But I think what we've seen to this point is they haven't been successful enough to get our vote of confidence. Let's go to Steven in Kansas City. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Steven? Hey, guys. Uh I totally agree. It, it, you know, you don't want to be making the same mistakes that we saw with Ryan Pace running it back with John Fox when we drafted Mitchell Trubisky, Matt Nagy when we drafted Justin Fields, only to repeat the same thing again with Matt Eberflus, who every time he opens his mouth, I just lose confidence in this man. Um, he said today that, uh, you know, we are 3-3 three and three in the last six games, which yeah, he conveniently ignored the first four games where they went 0-4, as if it's like an extended version of a, you know, training camp, which obviously counts as a record. So, yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence in Matt Eberflus getting it right, not just for the rest of the year, but also running it back next year because Ryan Poles shouldn't, uh, you know, tie his future and a reputation to a guy like Matt Eberflus because if next year goes bad, then I think the chances of Poles getting fired increases as well. And I also want to talk about Otani. I don't know if you ever guys have touched it yet, but. Um, Little Cubs conversation? Is that, is that where you want to go? Yes, sir. Yeah, I want to add my two cents because I'm an Asian-American who have lived in Japan. And uh, even if Otani doesn't, you know, sign with the cops, I don't think it's, you know, the end of the world scenario. Because there are a couple of other good Japanese players, you know, Yamamoto, Imanaga, who played with, you know, Trevor Bauer in Yokohama this past year and and cited him as an inspiration to him challenging in the major league this upcoming season. So there are very good pitchers that I think the Cubs still can get at least to fill the void, you know, vacated by Stroman leaving. So I'm very, very interested to see, you know, just how much, you know, the Cubs are willing to commit. You know, it's not necessarily Otani or bust situation, but I hope that the Cubs are certainly diversifying other options, you know, because I still would like to see Bellinger, uh, you know, return at a reasonable rate, even if he is a, uh, you know, Boris client. So I hope that the Cubs are really committed. I was very encouraged by what I heard today in the uh, council news conference, and I think the Cubs are willing to do, you know, whatever it takes. So right, thank, thank, thank you, you very much. Appreciate yeah, the phone call. You. I think Jesse's been very high on the uh, the Cubs being in on Yamamoto. Yeah, I think he's, he's he mentioned, mentioned it last week. He's mentioned yeah. a few times that the Cubs could be very in on him. If you know, I don't think it's Otani or Bust either. I think that if you're going to spend half a billion dollars on a player, you should be willing to spend half a billion dollars regardless, right? Like if it's if it's means Bellinger, Yamamoto, whatever. 
It's not just Otani or Bust, I don't think. I disagree with that, that kind of thought just because Otani off the field brings you in more fan dollars. I so, get that, so but he's only I, one I, player. I understand so. you saying you're allotting this amount of money for a player, so that money should be there for players no matter which direction you go. But I think Otani is a different, um, he's a different beast because if the Cubs sign Otani, he instantly becomes the best player in Chicago sports since Jordan. No, what I mean is what I mean instantly. is that instantly. What I mean is that they can't just say we're only spending money if we can land Otani. Like if they don't land Otani, they still need to spend yeah, money. They're yeah, the Cubs. But I, like, I don't think I don't money. think that they're saying that they're not going to. I just don't think. I think there's more that comes with Otani that would allow you to be willing to spend the half billion dollars on that one player. Yeah, from from a business standpoint. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get so much in return from him off the field that it, it, it absolutely is worth it. He's just got to want to play here. We're live at JMO's Live in Mokina. It's Black and Abdallah. We're drinking Miller Lite. We have a pair of Miller Lite loft tickets to give away tonight. You got to be here at JMO's Live, so come on out in Mokina. We're drinking Miller Lite. It's Bears Night in Chicago with Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Black and Abdallah are back. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. On FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app, and ESPN 1000. It's Bears Night in Chicago. We're at GMO's Live in Mokina. We're drinking Miller Lite here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah, and now we're joined by 85 champion Bear. Tom Thayer, thank you for coming out tonight. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to be here. Good to be here, man. I've grown up around the Mokina area. Went to a lot of kids uh, at high school from Mokina. Used to play these the grade school here when I was growing up. So late notice, you show up. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, we're a team. You know, that's one thing I love about ESPN Radio, man. (laughs) Is we are we are a team over there, and I look forward to. I listen to you guys all the time. So thank you, Tom. Is one of you guys um, a Packer fan? No. 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 Oh, okay. That's Sylvie. Right. You know that. No, it better not be. He'll <laughs> never come back in the Well, you've, no, got, ca- you've but, got Cap the Lions fan. Right. So but I was listening to you guys the other night. Maybe you're mm-hmm. talking to someone that's a Packers fan. I don't know. I don't well, know. Well, so here's uh, the, the brief uh, breakdown on the family backgrounds. My, my grandfather had season tickets at Wrigley. Right. And we've had them in the family ever since. My wife, her dad, has had season tickets for over 40 years, too. So I've got Bears season tickets, both sides of the family, all go. He's I'm just from he, Chicago. He's just yeah. from here, always been a Bears <laughs> fan. So, yeah, I don't know. Packers fan? I don't know who No, that, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I just I, I have a, you know, listen to ESPN all the time, and I know I was listening sure. to you guys, and just something I misheard. We were talking with the uh, callers before you showed up about Justin Fields, seven games left. Yeah. Matt Eberflus, seven games left. Both have a lot to prove to kind of be in the mix for the future. And that's mm-hmm. what we were taking calls on is like, should the Bears uh, be in a situation where Justin should show us what he has to offer? Or do fans want the Bears to kind of look ahead at, at possible quarterbacks in next year's draft? So like, the conversation was around this idea that there's seven games in both Eberflus, the head coach, and the quarterback, Justin Fields. 
has a lot on the table coming up here with Detroit. Starting awesome, on isn't Sunday. it? Yeah. Hey, you know, listen, since I've been around, you know, I look again, I was born in Joliet in 61, been a Bears fan my whole life, been a part of the Bears since I was drafted by him in 83. This will be the most difficult division Detroit atmosphere that they've ever been in. Um, you know, when, when I was a young player there, the Chicago fans would support us in that stadium so much that Detroit used to have to take noise timeouts. It's not going to be that way. First time in I don't know how many years they sold out the season tickets in Detroit. The environment's going to be insane. So Judgment Day is awesome. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, not only, it's not only the games that you judge a player's progress. You know, if, if you and I are, in, you know, I'm your offensive line coach, you're my offensive lineman, and I'm asking you a question about the team we're getting ready to face. I, need, I can't have hesitancy in your answers. I need them immediately. And my offensive line coach, Dick Stanfield, always used to say, if you think, you're beat. And so when you talk about the progress of a quarterback and the way he's understanding the system at the rate you need him to know it in order to go out there and perform at a championship level. Because, listen, I'm not talking about fielding a team of, you know, a a game day roster. I'm talking about winning a division that leads me into the playoffs that competes for the Super Bowl. So there's a bigger answer I'm looking for than just going, hey, listen, Justin's one of the most dynamic athletes in the NFL. And the best case scenario for the Bears is for Justin to be successful. So you're not out there searching for the next quarterback candidate. But again, um, it's up to Luke Getze to feed him the information aggressively, to get the indicators out of the meetings, how he's answering the question and how he's understanding the new information that's installed. And then how does that transfer to the practice field? Is he making realistically quarterback time decision that best suits the specificness of the protection, the play, the running game, and the receivers? And so all those questions have to be answered. If I look at how Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator, is doing, the defense is getting better the defensive line rotation with eight different guys is working better with the linebacker position if they can get the defensive backfield to stay healthy then I think you know you know one will meet two and then two will meet three and then they'll all be able to work together so yeah but I I'm pretty psyched I'm pretty jacked up that they got all these division games left you know they go to Detroit they go to Minnesota Monday night with Joshua Dobbs then they play Detroit (laughs) at home um, and then they, they got they, no, another so Packers, got the Packers game at the yeah, end. Yeah, Packer well. game. You know, but Packer game, first game of the season, Packer game, last game of the season. It's two completely different teams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From that time. Yeah, absolutely. Tom Thayer is here with us. We're going to break for two minutes, and then Tom's going to be back with us for the next hour. It's Black and Abdallah. It's a football night in Chicago, Bears night in Chicago, presented by Miller Lite. We're at JMO's Live. Stop on by. We'll be here till eight, right here on ESPN One Thousand.